From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Arellano. It's Thursday, April 16th. Today, coronavirus has entered our newsroom here at the LA Times. My colleague, Julia Wick, is the author of our Essential California newsletter, a morning cheat sheet on the biggest stories each morning in the Golden State. Julia is hella smart, a tireless worker, and writes with authority and empathy. Those qualities make her one of our most beloved reporters, both by readers and in the newsroom. Julia was kind enough to talk to me for this podcast as she recovers. I reposole for that. Pay close attention to her warnings. Julia is young, was beyond careful once coronavirus began to dominate headlines, and was in good health. And still, she was stricken. Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends, and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you. <coughs> Sorry, that's going to happen. Honestly, Julia, I, I, you know, I noticed that you weren't doing Essential California for a couple of days. And I thought, oh, finally, she's on vacation, you know, good rest or whatever. And then when I found out, oh, my God, you can't even you can't even imagine how all of us felt at the Times newsroom. Well, thank you. That really means a lot. And I, I felt so lucky to have such great colleagues who were willing to jump in and do the newsletter for me um, and feel so lucky to be a part of this newsroom. When did you first think, okay, maybe this isn't the allergies that are usually going on around right now. I think I might have to test myself for it. So I started feeling sick like two and a half weeks ago. But the weird thing was I had, sorry, hopefully this isn't TMI, like a lot of phlegm in my throat and everything has said it's <laughs> a dry cough. And so I was like, oh, I just have a cold, you know, like it's a really, really bad timing to get a cold. Um, that was a Saturday. And so I haven't left my house since then, basically, besides for going to get tested and just like to be safe. But I didn't think I had uh, the virus at all. And then maybe two days later, three days later, I was making my, trying to make myself some soup because I wasn't feeling that well. And I realized yeah. I had been like cooking onions and um, I didn't have any fresh garlic because everything was out, obviously. But I had like some gross, like that like packaged pre-chopped garlic, which is all they had at the store. And I like, didn't smell that at all. I had herbs going in there and I just couldn't smell anything. And that's when I got really worried because... That's obviously been a symptom of the virus. Yeah. It, what, what were you thinking at that moment? You're like, okay, garlic, onions, herbs, all fragrant stuff. And just out of nowhere, you're like, hey, uh, wait a minute. Isn't it supposed <laughs> to be smelling right now? That's pretty much exactly it. I kept on thinking like, well, maybe, you know, I've never bought that kind of like weird pre-chopped garlic. Maybe it just doesn't smell like anything. Um I was kind of like looking around my apartment for what would smell really strong. And I have like some room spray a friend gave me a while ago. And I went and I sprayed that. And I just, oh my God. You know, I was like coughing and sneezing from idiotically spraying perfume on my nose. But I didn't smell <laughs> anything at all. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure a lot of people do that. Like every morning now, I I have like this drink. I kind of made you know Mexican drink of chile or whatever, and I taste it. I take a slug of it. I'm like, okay, I tasted it. I think I'm gonna be okay today. I'm sure a lot of people think that way. <laughs> totally, yeah. And it's a weird thing also because it's so simple, but it also is this really kind of irrefutable symptom. I was sort of really split on getting tested just because the whole thing is such a 
mess right now. And so I just stayed home and like took DayQuil, took NyQuil, um, rested, and I was getting sicker. I wasn't getting any better. I also did something stupid, which is if you guys get sick, don't do this. I just kept on working for that first week. I mean, I was home, so it's not like I was going anywhere. I didn't, you know, tell anyone from work I was sick. And then my boss called me to check in, Shelby, who's really wonderful, on that Saturday. Shelby Grad, uh, who runs Metro, yeah. Shout out to Shelby Grad, the best. Um, I started talking to him on the phone, and he's like, how are you doing? Like, what's wrong? (laughs) And I sounded super sick and was like, oh, I'm not feeling that well, but I'm fine. And he's like, stop working. Like, what are you doing? You should go get tested. (laughs) I hadn't even really, like, tried to get tested at all before that. Um, It's a weird position I'm in. Like I've written like explainers on coronavirus many times for the newsletter. Um, I know sort of like what what you're supposed to do. But my sister happened to forward me. She'd gone to like an urgent care clinic the year before for stomach flu and they had sent out an email saying they were doing testing and like to call them. And so I did like their online assessment and then called them and they were like, yeah, you should come in. And that was just at like a clinic in Echo Park. It wasn't crowded at all. I think I was the only patient there when I came in. Yeah. I think that potentially speaks to also just how uneven testing is. That, you know, I happened to see this email because my sister had gone to this place before and I knew to call them and there was no line there and no one was there besides for, you know, doctors and nurses when so many people are struggling to get tests. You you see the the test itself at least you know by pictures at the LA Times or video and it, it seems to be kind of a little bit painful. I mean, sticking something up your nose really hard up on the nasal cavity doesn't seem really comfortable. So describe a little bit about the test itself. So they actually had throat swabs there, which oh okay, I hadn't seen before, um, and I've actually been meaning to like investigate how good that is in comparison. Um, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. They stuck it way back in your throat, but it wasn't, it wasn't really painful. It, the only stressful aspect of it was it was a doctor who was obviously like leaning over me to stick it way back in my throat. And by this point, I don't know for sure if I have it, but I think I probably do. And it made me like feel like uncontrollably, like I had to cough. So like as soon as he got it out of his mouth, I like turned my whole body away from him and like leaned off that table thing you're sitting on to cough. Because I just obviously am super aware of, you know, the position he's putting himself in anyway, just as a doctor right now. And like the last thing I would ever want to do is cough on him. And when you get the results, you Mm -hmm. find out you obviously tested positive for coronavirus. How how do you feel? I don't really know. I think I was pretty sick by then. I mean, I, I was super, super lucky in that I never developed any medically serious symptoms The worst it was for me was just like a bad cold or a flu, but I probably had, you know, like a hundred degree fever that day and was just lying in bed. Wow. You wrote about your whole experience or for an essay for us in the LA Times. Describe (coughs) sort of... (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. Yeah, you obviously didn't do that on purpose, right? No, I I did not. I I was was trying to hold it back. Sorry. No, no, if you got a cough, you got a cough. Don't worry about it. Gustavo, can you definitely add in that like normally I'm really witty and quick, but you know, I'm like kind of at half steam. No, no, (laughs) Julia is like a ball of energy usually. Trust us, folks.
This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content. Talk a little bit then sort of about the progress. When you first started, maybe like a sniffle, that dryness in the throat to what you think so far has been the worst to where you're at right now. I think the most important thing to know about a mild version of this, or at least the mild version that I've had, but this also tracks with what other people have told me, is that it's really up and down. It's not linear at all. So mm. you might feel like a little better one day and think you're almost not sick anymore. Um, and then it'll get worse and then it'll get better again. But it's it's basically felt, yeah, like a bad cold or flu most of the time. I've had, I guess I'm on day 18 now. <laughs> um, and wow. I just took my temperature and it was like 99.2. So that's, I don't even know if that counts as a fever. It's barely a fever. It's better than it was before. The weird thing is it never got higher than 100. That's the highest it ever went. But it would stay like oh, wow. 99.8 even after I'd taken Tylenol or Dayquil or whatever. Yeah, so it was always low grade. Yeah, always a low fever. That's been like the most consistent thing. It's just like I feel like I'm just a little bit slow all the time. So more fatigue, yeah. Super fatigued. Um, the body aches luckily are done now, but those were pretty bad. Mm. Um, I had those starting maybe like around day five or six until I don't know a couple of days ago and those would just be like, I would just be like lying in bed and it sort of felt like if you'd done the most intense workout of your life, but like times 10, I would end up taking, this is actually really bad for the drought, but probably taking just like two baths a day yeah. just because being in hot water was like the only thing that felt better. So, so the matzo ball or chicken fuss soup weren't <laughs> able to cure it. Yeah. With this happening, once you get back, and of course, you know, you're going to be off as long as you need to be, but is this going to, your experience with coronavirus, is it going to color your uh, coverage of how you're going to be reporting coronavirus from now on? That's a really interesting question, Gustavo. I mean, in a practical sense, I I think there's still a lot to learn about immunity, Yeah, but I'm hoping that I'll have at least some immunity, which might allow me to very carefully do some field reporting. So that's sort of one practical thing. But I think as a reporter, we're always doing our absolute best to really kind of operate with real empathy and trying to kind of have an understanding for what other people are going through and what what the experiences of their life are like, even if they're very different from our own, in order to kind of paint an accurate picture of that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, don't don't even apologize. I think I, I have more clarity on the things I'm confused about, if that makes sense. Like, I want to do yeah. probably for one of my first newsletters when I'm back, you know, talk to a bunch of experts about my own questions, just because I think they might be helpful for other people to hear as well. One of the most powerful things you wrote in your essay was telling everyone else, like, act as if you 
might already have it. Like you, when you go out there, be as careful as possible. And that's what you were already doing. You even before you started feeling sick, you were already out in public. You know, just taking care of where you're going. You're you're already wearing gloves and all of that. Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty careful person, and certainly about things like this. But honestly, when you when you asked me before, what was I thinking when I found out? I had it. This was really one of the first things I was thinking is just being so terrified that even though I, I don't know for sure when I got it, but I think based on people I was with who also got sick that I got it the weekend before I started feeling sick. So that would mean there was a full week there where I likely had been exposed to the virus and I didn't yet know I had it. And I, you know, wasn't going to parties or not that there were any parties or I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was practicing social distancing, but I just, you know, I would like say hi to my neighbor if I saw them walking to our front gate or whatever. And again, I would be standing, you know, like a foot away from them, but we'd be passing each other. Um, I had gotten a big box of gloves way back in like early February. I saw them at a store and I had been worried about this for a while And so I had put gloves in little plastic bags and given them to some of my colleagues and friends who needed them. Yeah. Like it felt really crazy at the time, but I put gloves on my hands in order to put the gloves in the bags, which I'm now so incredibly grateful I did. But I was just thinking back over like all those interactions of giving those people those gloves and like, was I holding the plastic bag, carrying the gloves without gloves at any point? Did I like cough or sneeze at any point while I was holding it? And this is all, you know, before I was sick. But that's the really, really terrifying thing about this virus is many people are either asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. And if you don't know you have it, basically any decent thing you're trying to do could get someone sick. And I think that's what makes us so unlike, you know, a fire or an earthquake or these things where we're all kind of brought together as a community. No, yeah, it's it's tough. Well, if you need anything, you know, just holler at me. I'll get you pho or pozole, you know, especially all of us at the times. We're here for you in whatever way and rest up as much as possible because we need your voice back. Thank you, Gustavo. And as soon as I'm better, better and, you know, have that immunity, I'm going to drive down to Santa Ana to get uh, my pickup order from Alta Baja. Ah, that's my wife's store. It's very good. Thank you. No, I'll bring it up to you. That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, Stories from the Front Lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave us a message. That's 213-986-5652. Or email me, gustavo.ariano at latimes.com. This podcast was hosted by me, Gustavo Ariano. Our producers are Paige Heimsen and Stan Lee. Our senior producer is Rina Palta, and our executive producer is Abby Fentress-Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and our original music was composed by Andrew Even. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Special gracias to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Shaw. For the latest coronavirus stories by my LA Times colleagues, including an up-to-the-minute tracker of cases in California, don't forget to visit our website. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe, because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com slash support LA Times to subscribe. Stay safe and see you tomorrow.